Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello, and welcome to this EM360 podcast. I'm Richard Steenan, Chief Research Analyst at IT Harvest. I publish the annual Security Yearbook, and I'm a trusted advisor to CISOs and their teams. IT Harvest is a data-driven industry analyst firm that covers over 2,900 vendors in the IT security industry. In today's episode, I'm being joined by Mackenzie Jackson, developer advocate at GetGuardian, and we're going to be discussing keeping secrets out of the source code. Welcome, Mackenzie. Thanks, Richard. It's great to be here, and uh, yeah, great to great to talk with you today. Yeah, why don't you introduce you know both GetGuardian and your role at GetGuardian? Sure. So uh, GitGuardian is uh, a software company based out of uh, Paris and France, although we just uh, opened up offices in uh, Austin, Texas. And we're a security vendor that specializes in detecting secrets inside source code. And uh, I'm there, the, the developer advocate there. It's a, a pretty wide, uh, wide-ranging role, but essentially it means that I kind of get to sit uh, outside of the, the sales and marketing teams and kind of speak freely about uh, the issues at hand and what we can do to kind of solve uh, what we collectively call secret sprawl and uh, help organizations, developers, and companies secure their source code. Okay, so build a story for us. What are these secrets and why do they need to be protected? Yeah, sure. Uh, so secrets is a, is a fairly all-encompassing term uh, that we use. But generally what it refers to is digital authentication credentials. So typically these are things like your API keys, your security certificates, uh, credential pairs, uh, private keys, really anything that kind of authenticates us, but more importantly authenticates systems uh, with, one each, with each other. You know, these are like extremely sensitive uh, items. They're the crown jewels of an organization. They can provide access to payment systems, obviously your data, the cloud infrastructure. So these are uh, absolutely uh, absolutely strings and, and sensitive items that we want to protect, heavily authenticate, uh, wrap in lots of uh, different layers of protection. And it's not something that we want kind of leaking out into the, the public's ha- hands. Yeah, as somebody who just started developing my own app and I've got all these API keys that I have to enter into all these different no-code platforms. And I, I just start thinking, wait a minute, this is like a password without a username and no other controls on it. And what happened to multi-factor, you know, multi-factor authentication and digital certificates and signing certificates? It seems like we've messed up the plumbing a little bit. <laughs> you know, well, I mean, it is interesting. I, you, we've we've certainly moved away from like these monolith type applications that we used to build. You know, everything was internal. They ran complete, you know, completely self-sufficiently. And now as we, obviously we rely heavily on, on the internet, we're creating much more web applications. You know, we can use all these different services and I mean, it's created so many benefits in the sense that, I mean, you just mentioned creating an app with, you know, these no code uh, applications. It means that you don't need to worry about credit card processing 
you don't need to worry about scaling up and down your databases to make sure that you know they're active. All that you need to worry about is whatever it is that makes your app unique. The problem is that we leave all these API keys, these secrets. Um, we, we need them. Uh, the developers need them. So they're widely distributed, but they're incredibly sensitive. So it creates this real friction. And I, a lot of people don't even kind of understand you know, how sensitive they are, especially, especially kind of coming into this, um, you know, as a, as a junior developer. Uh, but even we see it all the way through uh, the, the, the work, the workforce. So how do these secrets get exposed in the first place? So what we see mostly is that these secrets are exposed through source code. So they're made to be used programmatically, which means they're made to be used by our applications. And there's specific ways that we need to handle them in order to make sure that they they remain secure. So we need to have secrets management systems. We need to pass them through our application security through, say, environment variables. And that creates friction in your work. But because these are these are so widely used by developers, you know, you can imagine a scenario where someone's just trying to get something to work. Uh, so they hard code their API key rather than kind of creating all these steps to be able to retrieve it and store it, and they fully intend to remove it later. You know, but that that uh, API key ends up in you know in your source code, and then if we go into how Git works, you know, that that can be exposed in lots of different ways. So, you know, so source code is a very leaky asset. And then once our API keys enter into our source code, they they kind of travel with it. And, it, and you can imagine a scenario where you have your central Git repository, you know, you hard code a credential, it gets pushed into there. That code is then cloned onto all the developers' different machines. You know, maybe if you're in a large organization, there's hundreds, potentially thousands of developers that have access to that code. It's backed up onto different drives. So we've extended the amount of places that the secret is. We have no visibility over where it's ended up. And this is a highly sensitive key that we definitely don't want all of our employees being able to have access to, but it's in our source code. So anyone that has access to the source code has access to that key. So Get Guardian's you know, name implies, hey, you know, you're addressing the particular problem with GitHub, right? So the, you know, open source and, of course, uh, paid source for uh, code repositories. What about, you know, a private instance of a GitHub or one of the other code uh, repository solutions? Yeah, so we uh, cross the board on on all the kind of major Git hosting platforms, so Bit, Bitbucket, uh, GitLab, yeah, obviously GitHub Enterprise that we've talked about. So, you know, we can definitely plug into all of these different different tools and and systems and i you know github.com is always one that we talk about a lot because the open source component of that is so widespread you know we scan gitguardian actually scans every single commit that's made publicly on github.com uh, for secrets so, you know so it gives us a lot to talk about and when they're obviously exposed publicly on github.com it's a big you know it's a big problem it's exposed publicly but you know even having secrets in your internal repositories can create massive security problems as well 
and that implies that there are probably bad actors scanning all that code as well. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's exactly right. I mean, just to focus on public uh, github.com, you know, to give the audience maybe a, a, an idea of the scale of this, you know, there's over 70 million developers that use GitHub. And it, it is almost like, you know, a LinkedIn profile because people want to showcase their work. There's huge amounts of open source activity. We scanned last year well over a billion commits for secrets. You know, so several million every single day, and we discovered uh, over six million secrets in 2021 uh, on just on public GitHub.com and uh, public repositories. So, it, I mean, the scale of it is a huge issue, and the reason why we can do that is because you know GitHub has a public API which people can monitor. So we monitor it, we scan, and if we find a secret, we try and alert the people. But we're not the only ones that do that. Bad actors do, you know, um, and secrets are exposed publicly all the time, uh, which can grant bad actors you know, that critical initial access into your organization. And worst of all, they're correctly authenticated into their systems, which means they're very hard to detect. Right. Uh, those are astounding numbers. And, okay, you've convinced me we've got a major problem. <laughs> what do we do about it? <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, it certainly it certainly feels uh, like we're fighting a losing battle at the moment. You know, to we do the annual State of Secrets Pro report every year. When we released our findings last year in 2021, we discovered two million uh, credentials. We increased our detection capabilities. We and GitHub increased the amount, and we've gone up to six million. But we and we think that there's about a hundred percent increase based on a fair comparison if we evaluated both of those. You know, so a 100% increase in the amount of secrets leaked within a year is ginormous. So we're, we're certainly facing massive challenges on this. And part of the, the solution comes with education, understanding that these keys are, you know, are sensitive. Part of that comes with implementing best practices in our organizations to make sure that we can detect these secrets. And then we also need to provide uh, the tools to developers to be able to kind of take control of this aspect of security and be able to limit the amount of secrets that are being exposed. And what do those tools look like if you're a developer or head of a development team and you're using it? Yeah, so, I mean, I am firmly firmly uh you know a, a, a big advocate of the shift left or DevSecOps kind of movements and that's all about kind of bringing security into the workflow early and i mean that's important because the tools look different between developers between you know your appsec engineers and your security teams so you know if we're talking about developers we need to have tools that fit in with their everyday you know, everyday working. So for instance, having uh, pre-commit Git hooks that will check your commits for secrets before they're exposed. And, you know, we have some case studies where companies that implemented this were able to reduce the amount of leaked secrets in their internal repositories by 85%. So this is, you know, one tool that, that we need. But then we also need to be able to provide the, you know, security teams with tools that it can 
make sure that an entire source code repositories are free from secrets in real time, get alerted when they are leaked internally or publicly, you know, and be able to follow those remediation steps to, to, to go through it. So we need a series of tools for different people to be able to really combat combat this problem, starting with, you know, developers and then ending up with security teams that have these overall visibility into actually where are the secrets in your systems? Have they sprawled or are they still secure? So I share your advocacy for shift left, right? Because that's the best time to avoid mistakes, right? This is fixing Absolutely. them and developing them. Um, but it seems in practice that most organizations I talk to anyways have a separate team and they do scanning afterwards, even after a commit in this case, and then come back and create some sort of trouble ticket and cause, you know, work for the developers who have already moved on to something else. And it just creates this friction between the security team and the developers that's hard to overcome. Yeah, that friction, you, you definitely feel it when you kind of do reviews on companies and understand how the workflows work. I, I think, you know, honing in on that word there, friction, I think what the what the point of this needs to be is that we have to have different tools for different people. There the, the can't be any friction in the developer's normal workflow um, unless, of course, it picks up that, uh, you know, a secret has been leaked. But... What I found is when you can integrate into someone's existing workflow and be able to leverage on that without creating friction in their day-to-day life, then it creates a feeling of empowerment. But where this friction kind of comes from is this kind of daunting sense of like, you know, security teams are known as the, you know, the teams that say no to everything. And there's a lot of information, there's a lot of kind of, uh, fear and additional work. But if we can remove some of that in a frictionless experience, then we empower the developers. They get a sense that they're actually part of this and they become invested in, in the process as well. There are a lot of code scanning tools that are also supposed to be used in the you know, CI/CD process. Um, do those you know, search for secrets? Do they, they know what a regex or a the signature of a secret is? Well, there, there certainly are tools out there that can detect uh, some secrets. I mean, there's a lot of different types of uh, scanners. And one thing that, you know, we always, you know, get what we believe in Geek Guardian is we're part of a, of a comprehensive security solution. We're not going to be the standard little Superman vendor that some people try and claim to be. So, you know, uh, having a mature application security process will involve scanning for secrets, but it might also involve scanning for open source vulnerabilities or, you know, doing some static application security testing. But one thing that is uh, about secret detection is it's inherently difficult. And that's because, you know, it's probabilistic. When you look at kind of what does a secret look like, you know, an API key looks like this, it's a high entropy string. It means it's a string that has a it's very long with a high level of randomness to it. Now, if we just detected high entropy strings, then 99.9% of all the strings that are, well, are on GitHub or in your repositories that look like this aren't 
actual secrets. They're just unique identifiers or they could be binaries for something. You, you don't, this is very hard to tell. So to have accurate secret detection that doesn't create all these false positives that you can implement uh, without creating that friction is quite a difficult process. It, it requires uh, a lot of level of sophistication uh, to be able to do that frictionless. So there are some tools out there that uh, will, will, will scan for secrets. Usually it's only a one or two secrets, but to have that encompassing thing, it's actually a very difficult challenge to try and solve. Yeah, and I think the way you just described a lot of entropy, long strings, that's any MD5 hash. Yeah, exactly. It yeah. used for ver other types of verification. So, you know, I'm used to, you know, vulnerability scanners, et cetera. When they find something, they usually, you know, connect you to a playbook to fix it. Do you provide that kind of, you know, I don't know, or is it the developer's team responsibility to, you know, have an approved process for storing secrets and AWS secrets or something. I, I love that. I love that word that you use, playbooks, because that's actually exactly what we call our feature, <laughs> Git Guardian <Okay>. Playbook. <laughs> so uh, perfect. Uh, but yeah, you know, we you can set up custom playbooks of of you know how to remediate and go through these secrets. But one of the things that we're most proud about, you know, at Git Guardian is that we really try and live that shift left philosophy. And one of the, the features that we love that we have is called the dev in the loop. And, and basically what it, what it means is that, you know, when one of these secrets are leaked, a security person will generally be alerted to it. They'll then have to investigate that, find out what it's for, contact that developer, you know, have that conversation, find out how to revoke that secret. And it's a long process that requires a lot of people, a lot of friction and, yeah, and takes a while to to kind of move through that process. But, you know, using Git Guardian with our Dev in the Loop feature, you know, we give, we involve developers in the process early so that they can actually offer information about what this is before anyone asks, be part of that remediation process, you know, go through it uh, smoothly because we want to be able to fix these issues, you know, very quickly. I've mentioned already that our state of secrets rule report and uh, this year, we actually looked at internal repositories as well and the amount of secrets that were leaked. And, and we found that one AppSec engineer has to deal with roughly 3,600 occurrences of secrets each per year um, based on you know, the averages of, of the industry. So that's you know, 10 a day if you work weekends. That's an unachievable amount of work. So if we, even if a company is making the effort implementing the secret detection there is so much being leaked at this stage that you know to be able to resolve all that by themselves is nearly impossible so we need to shift left we need to get developers in the loop and we need to create those playbooks around okay how can we actually effectively and smoothly resolve uh, this issue wow thank you so much mackenzie i have learned so much i know much much more about protecting secrets than I did before this started. So thanks again for your thoughts on this episode. And thank you to our listeners for joining us. Uh, if you're looking for more information, please make sure to check out getguardian.com and contact somebody if you need help with your secrets. Mm -hmm.